You're listening to the Hearth of Weird podcast. Where we discuss heathenry, lore, and legend. And the modern take on an ancient practice. Hello. Welcome to the Hearth of Weird podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Oz. And I'm Kira. And today we'll be talking about the chieftain of the Aesir, Sky Daddy himself, Odin. That's right. Are you excited? So, so excited. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to get into. There's a lot to get into. He's, uh, he's, he's quite the enigma. And he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's all over the lore. It's true. It's all over history. Absolutely. When I was looking at the sources and like trying to put mine together, uh, there are so many. There are so many. Consider there... the literally every story as one of my sources. That that'll right. just keep it easy. Literally every story. <laughs> <laughs> Voluspa, Vafthrudnismal, mm-hmm. Grimnismal, Harbards Leod, Leoth, Leoth, Leoth. Whatever. I got American mouth. I'm going to say these things like an American. Of course. I feel like we say that and we preface that every episode. Yeah. That we are stupid Americans. Himisk Vitha. Oh, I don't. That's offensive. That's offensive. <laughs> Scald Skaparmal. Well, what is that? Well, okay. How else could you say that? How? I don't know. Are we putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, do you think? Potentially. Scald Skaparmal. Scald Skaparmal. Listen, I'm going. It's called Skipper Mal. We're, we're losing listeners by the second here. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, we'll 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 get into the Odin situation. Did you have any bullshittery you want to get into first? Nope. No. Okay. I was trying to think too because I'm like, uh, I don't want to go back over the stuff that we've already talked about. There was something though. Oh, is it the bullshittery that Ryu came across? Yes. Oh, yes. Then this week's bullshittery comes compliments of Ryukashi, a staff member at the Hearth of Weird Community Discord server, where apparently Ain Haryar, uh, who die in battle pregnant, like give birth in Valhalla or something. That's absurd. It was very strange. And I didn't I didn't know what was happening. Um, so the question, it was it was on Reddit in the Norse mythology subreddit and the question was can you be born into Valhalla and the question says here I don't know too much about Norse mythology but looking into it I couldn't find anything for or against it directly could a child be conceived by parents who have entered Valhalla if so would the child be would the child survive and or be removed from Valhalla I don't personally think that you can conceive a child while you are deceased. I thought that is exactly where my brain went. I was like, okay, we, we as humans who have lived a human experiment or experiment. Well, I mean, essentially that's not, that's not far from the truth. Um, Experience on Midgard. Once we are free of this mortal coil, we are not then able to reproduce. As far as I understand, there is, I, I even looked it up. In any in any source I could find, there is nothing speaking of people in the afterlife bearing children, no matter what hall, what realm. I haven't. I'd looked too, and I couldn't find anything either. I also couldn't find anything that is either for or against a pregnant person dying in battle, being chosen by a Valkyrie, and then going to Valhalla, and then having that 
like the the soul of the fetus with them and i think that like based on strictly strictly based on uh totally arbitrary opinions of mine i don't think it's possible because when the person died in battle there's two souls there there's not just one soul so when the soul of the per i don't think that the valkyries came down and chose the soul of the fetus to go to valhalla so it would probably go to helheim to be cared for by its ancestors and the person who was chosen by the valkyries to go to valhalla would be the one who goes there right and i'm not going to get into the conversation of when a soul becomes a soul when it when a being becomes a being right um but even if what you were saying is correct, you're right in that the the being that was slain in battle, that was chosen by the Valkyries, would not be the child being. It wouldn't. Right. It wouldn't. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so it's very, it's very weird. It's weird. Like there's the gods, obviously who are beings of the unseen realms, right, can reproduce, do reproduce in the stories, do have children. We are not the same being. We are a breath of that being. We are a tiny spark of that type of being. And when... But also, Ainheriar aren't beings. They're dead. They're dead people. The right. And when dead. I say being, I mean, like, we are the... the piece of ourselves that is able to walk that realm and to be in that realm, Right. Right. And obviously it does refer to the warriors in Valhalla being slain as they're fighting, as they're battling one another, and then essentially, you know, coming back to life and feasting together in the halls, which right. is cool. That that's fine. Um but yeah, there's there is no there is no birth giving for our our souls after we have passed. Like our opportunity for that is on this realm full stop right. at least that's how i right. see it i agree with that stance i don't think that we can reproduce in the afterlife no it just sounds like a real big stretch right um okay let me actually read i'm just gonna check my source real quick for valhalla each day after they've got dressed they put on war gear and go out into the courtyard and fight each other and they fall upon each other this is their sport and when dinner time approaches they ride back to valhalla and sit down to drink what source is that Hmm? Oh, that's the what source the Gilfaginning, or however you say it. Oh, that's in mm -hmm. Gilfaginning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what stanza of the Gilfaginning is that? I want to see if this 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 version I have here differs in any way. Oh, you know what? I'm glad that you asked because I actually just found a cross reference here for, and that, that's probably using that word wrong. I found another reference here for the happenings in Vafthrutnismal. Oh. And Odin tells Vafthrutnir that all the Einherjar fight in Odin's courts every day. They choose the slain and ride from battle. Then they sit more at peace together. So that's an interesting translation. It could be slain. Could be this translation says victim. Um, 41. 41. Yeah. The daily battle at Valhalla. It is interesting. It is interesting. Um... Yeah, every day, just like you said, it's the same uh, when it comes time to eat the ride home to Valhalla and sit down to drink. As is said here, all the Einherjar in Odin's home fields fight among themselves each day. The slain they select, 
then ride from the battlefield reconciled. They sit again together. So there are special rules for Valhalla, right? They're not actually slain. They're they're re <laughs> they they respawn <laughs> just in time for dinner. <laughs> right. Um. I mean, they're already dead. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, the uh, the the whole child child bearing and child carrying in Valhalla is is silly to me. Yeah, I can't imagine like a nine month pregnant woman just out there on the battlefield like penguin hodling along like right and again you would need the you would need the ability to nourish and grow a child within you which our spirits that no longer hold that mortal shell do not have so i don't know right i I, that's that's my take at least that is my take at least i just don't i don't see how this was a a fight because it was it was a rather big conversation happening on that and uh yeah, bullshittery indeed. Right, which is interesting at best. Like that's just kind of weird to me. Like why 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 would you Where did the thought come from? I mean, that's what I'm curious about. Where did that thought come I from? I don't know. There was no real context from the original poster, so I'm just going to say it was one of those weird shower thoughts, you know? I like I like weird shower thoughts. I mean, Typically, mine do. Sometimes my shower thoughts get a little too uh, erratic, and I'm like, oh, I'm a lot more unstable than I first thought. I mean, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a very unstable person, just in general. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll be fine. It'll be fine, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm only going to check one more place, because I'm really interested to see what Benjamin Thorpe has to say about it. Okay. you We, we do love ourselves some Thorpe around here. I really liked what KG Beak said too. He was like, reject Valhalla, embrace Noatun. You're just chilling in a ship full of money and awesomeness, wondering why no one has come by since the early Middle Ages. Odin just seeing Greg from accounting enter his fields of endless slaughter. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I love Ben. <laughs> ben is a super cool guy, very knowledgeable person. Very. Apparently, the younger Eddas of Sturluson, as told by Thorpe, just doesn't <laughs> have anything about Valhalla. Oh, here we go. Of the joys of Valhalla. Benjamin Thorpe, the uh, his translation of the younger Edda of Snorri Sturluson. Starting on stanza, the joys of Valhalla in the younger Edda, according to Thorpe, starts on uh, stanza 39. Mm-hmm. Talks about what they eat, what they drink some names of things here as it is said in the grimness mall 500 doors and 40 more methinks are in valhalla 800 heroes through each door shall issue forth against the wolf to combat this is actually a thing that i've mentioned several times is the amount of people that can be in valhalla at once because some translations say uh you know blah 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 doors through which 800 abreast can come but this one says shall issue forth which means that to me the way that that is like the way that i'm reading that 800 heroes through each door shall issue forth against the wolf to combat to me that says only 800 come from each door right is that how i don't know it's giving jehovah's witness <laughs> It is. It is. And it's it's snorry. So like I this probably isn't even real. But you know. Well, I mean we right. And that's the thing. Like I don't 
honestly, it doesn't really, I don't know why it, it does not. And we'll get into Valhalla a little bit later too, but like, it does not make sense for me to me, uh, that Odin would limit the amount of people that he could take into Valhalla. I agree with that as well, because it, it, you're right. It doesn't make any sense if you're trying to build an army to fight against the end times. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you not just take every good soldier? Absolutely. So a mighty band of men must be in Valhalla, said Gang Larry. And yes, Gang Larry, Gang fight me. Larry. And methinks Odin must be a great chieftain to command such a numerous host. But how do the heroes pass their time when they're not drinking? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Every day, replied Har, as soon as they have dressed themselves, they ride out into the court or field and there fight until they cut each other to pieces. Okay. This is their pastime. But when mealtime approaches, they remount their steeds and return to drink in Valhalla. As is said... The Inheriar all, on Odin's plain, hew daily each other, while chosen the slain are. From the fray they then ride and drink ale with the Aesir. Okay. So at least according to Benjamin Thorpe, they do actually murder each other. Yeah, absolutely. And then they just regen and head on home for Din Din. Which has always been my understanding. Yeah. That they die every day. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't, I get that. I get that completely. All right. Yeah, that was a interesting... Interesting bit of bullshittery this week. <laughs> yeah. Like, Thought-provoking uh, bullshittery. Um, or ire-provoking, whichever whichever uh, reaction you had. Por que no los dos? Por que no los dos? <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. I'm going to read this from Jackson Crawford's The Poetic Edda, because unlike other translations, he has the English words behind or the English meaning behind all of his names, which I find to be very friendly and I appreciate it. Definitely. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Lay it on me. (laughs) I have called myself Grim. I have called myself Wanderer, Warrior and Helmet Wearer, Famed One and Third One, Thunder and Wave, Hellblind and One-Eye, Truth and Swift and True Father, Battle Mary, Battle Stirrer, Curse Eye and Fire Eye, Evil Doer, Spellcaster, Masked and Shadowed Face, Fool and Wise Man, Long Hat and Long Beard, Victory Father and War Ready, All Father, War Father, Roped Rider and Hanged God. I have never been known by just one name since first I walked among men. Now, there are other ones, even in Grimnismal, which is what that's from. There are there are more. There are yet more. Mm-hmm. And when I was actually looking up all of the names of Odin that I could possibly find, I found a list somewhere of like 155 names. I've seen lists that contain over 170. Oh, my God. So many. So many. So he's the, he's the wearer of many masks, and he's the bearer of so, so, so many names. <laughs> So many, so many names. But with that too, he's known for just as many associations, which I find fascinating and why I say he is enigmatic, like yeah. the encapsulation of that word, you know? And so I kind of wanted to get into his main associations and like stories about him and kind of just so we can kind of build a, uh, build a character, build a character assessment of Odin. Totally. Okay. So I think the one that he's most well known for is knowledge 
and his relentless pursuit of knowledge. Agreed. I agree. Um, he does so many things in the pursuit of knowledge. That's kind of like his main shtick. Absolutely. What story stands out to you for his pursuit of knowledge? My favorite one is when he gives an eye to the well of Mimir to take a drought from it because he understands that the that the water of Mimir's well imparts great knowledge on those who drink it. Right. Absolutely. I really, um, and I, I actually really like the association there where like you have to sacrifice something to gain that level of knowledge right? because it's true. It's true. And you see Odin's sacrifice. He, he literally will give up anything, anything. He, he will pursue knowledge um, to the point where he will fight to the death in a battle of wits, you know, like he did in the lay of Vafthrudnir. Um, right. Like he sacrificed himself to himself and hung on a tree for fucking nine days. Like he, he literally will do anything, anything for the pursuit of knowledge. But yeah. So, okay. So the well of Mimir, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's anything else we should mention about that before we move on. Under the root that reaches towards the frost giants, there is where Mimir's well is, which has wisdom and intelligence contained in it, and the master of the well is called Mimir. He is full of learning because he drinks of the well from the horn Gjallarhorn, which is the horn that Heimdall blows at the end of the fucking world. All father went there and asked for a single drink from the well, but he did not get one until he placed his eye as a pledge. But you really would... Like, and we see that too. We do see that you do have to give up something to gain knowledge. And there are people who, like, when you're looking at people who pursue education over building a family, it's because you can't have time for both. Or they pursue a career over that. Or they, you know, it takes time, at the very least, as a sacrifice to get knowledge of that, you know, to that degree. Yeah, there's always a sacrifice for, for knowledge gained, you know, most things have some aspect of sacrifice to them. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the metaphor there. Um, now, some people will say that the story of the meat of poetry was his pursuit of knowledge. I actually don't think it is, though. I don't see that as a pursuit of knowledge either. I see that as uh, twofold, right? I see that as uh, wanting to be greedy because if anyone else got a hold of the meat of poetry, then they would have some kind of one-uppens on him. Exactly. Exactly. And also potentially to save what was left of Kvasir. This is where we get into the whole, like, how do you see Odin? Because some people will be like, absolutely he did. You know? And I'm like, mm, I think that because it was said that when you drink the meat of poetry, you're going to become a scald or a scholar. And right. like, so it, it really does like give you inspiration, information, knowledge, um, the ability to recite things, to make beautiful poetry. And I don't think Odin wanted anybody but himself to have that or have control of that specific commodity. Right. Yeah. I think that there was definitely like a greed aspect of him trying to get that back. <laughs> and I think that people um, associate poetry with him with this too. But again, this one isn't really like, and this is just my personal opinion. I don't associate him with like poetry personally. I know that he's said to have loved poetry and they use this as like the, um, the reference point for that. But 
it really more speaks to me of what he is willing to do to get what he wants. I agree with that. I mean, he's a very greedy, we know that he is greedy. It's very self-serving, very self-centered God. Uh, it's also really funny too, because I there are so many like paper thin, loose as fuck connections that people make to try to say things like that. Like, oh, he stole the meat of poetry back, so he must be a poetry god, right? Yes. Yes. I drink coffee in the morning. I am not a coffee god, though. Right. I have red hair. I'm not a ginger god. Yeah, well, that is arguable. Well, we can argue about that later. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the meat of poetry was, like what, like Oz said, was what was left of Kvasir. This was uh, when the Aesir and Vanir war happened, and the gods all spat into a cauldron, um, as part of their truce. And then from that cauldron, they decided to create this god Kvasir. And that he he was he was said as wise too, which honestly, it makes me wonder that if he had survived, if Odin wouldn't eventually have killed him anyway. Or kept him. Right. Exactly. Anyway, so Kvasir was like the ultimate sweet, no street smarts, all book smarts dude. Right. Like he would wander around. He would go visit anybody who wanted to have a visit and speak with them up into the night. And he was very friendly and he was very, 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 very trusting. And so eventually he went to go visit these dwarves who tricked him, killed him, and then created from his blood this mead of poetry. Right. Um, Eventually, a giant, Sutung, came and stole the mead from the dwarves in a hilarious story, which if you have not read the story of the meat of poetry, please do. Um, but then Odin came along was like, mm, I think I'm going to go ahead and just go grab that. Right. So then he, he goes and he um, tricks Sutung's brother into hiring him. He kills a whole bunch of dudes to get the job. And then he, he's like, well, I can do that job. And so he gets hired. Cause that he created, he created the lack and then went to go fill the lack out of the goodness of his heart, right? Um, so there was a whole bunch of lives lost for this venture, first and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the giant's name was Baugi. And he was, yeah, Sutung's brother, Baugi. So he works for him. He he gains his trust. And he says, I will work for you. Um, the payment that I want, though, is a sip of your brother's mead, essentially. Um, and... He was like, well, I can't guarantee that, but, you know, we can try. So then, anyway, he works for this giant. They go and they drill a hole into the bottom of Sutung's cave or mountain that he lives on, right? Mm-hmm. And then Odin turns into a snake, like, barrows through the hole drilled by the auger, and then comes across Sutung's daughter, Gunlod. And, and then borks her. He borks her, but he, like, promises her love and like he just oh god uh, we'll get more into this a little bit later anyway so such an incel oh i have such issues (laughs) so many i have so many issues with this um anyway so he spends three nights each night that he spends with her she agrees to give him a drink of mead right um but every night instead of having a drink of the mead not a sip of the mead he empties one of the three barrels the mead is kept in um, and then once he gets all of it, he transforms into an eagle, flies away uh, with a fucking Jotun right on his fucking heels. So he's literally bringing Jotuns to Asgard's door. And he 
everybody's like, oh my God, Odin's coming with the mead. Everybody gets out these containers. And so they line up all these containers inside the walls of Asgard. And as he's flying over, some of the mead exits out of his beehole. And that is the mead that like anybody can just have. So that's where your shitty poets come from. Like literally shitty poetry. See, I read that that's what he like, that he did it on purpose and like tried to poop on Sutung. I don't, I don't remember that. I thought it was because Sutung got really close and Odin was like, shit, 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 shit. And he was like clenching his beehole because he was spooked. And then a little. And literally just little, shit himself. Yeah, a little, a little <laughs> came out. Um, and that's like. Yeah, so that's available to anybody. The 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 shitty poetry made is available. And like there's actually like a joke or a known phrase about that. Like you've drank the 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 jokester's share, the the you drink the shitty share, something like that. Like that is known, right? That carried on through folklore and through like the poetic and skaldic circles. Um but the rest Odin keeps for himself, and he's the one that gets to decide who has it. So he's now right. like the overlord of this this precious commodity. So of course. was that in the pursuit of knowledge, or was that Odin just being Odin? Like I think it was just him being greedy and wanting everything for himself. Right. right. I I really I really feel that way. <laughs> so like that's really the only way that I associate him with poetry. He does. Um, he he is the father of Bragi, who is like our like the, uh, the the most highly associated god with poetry right um right but that's really the only other connection that i can make uh there may be attestations to it in the sagas and such i really honestly didn't look that far into it not when poetry is kind of like kind of the lesser ones of one of odin's associations right like yeah. he's much more known for like war and death and things like that war death wisdom magic right exactly like a lot of his names have to do with terror and war and death mm-hmm. and blood and hangings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Like when you think of Odin and war, what do you think of? Everything though, really. Like he's a very war-driven individual. Yeah. It's really hard to pinpoint something about Odin and war because like we have stories that revolve around him like choosing which side of a battle dies so that he can collect their souls. 100%. Yeah, I mean... He's constantly fighting people or inciting fights. He absolutely is. Well, and that's even attested to in Locasena, when they're like, you've chosen the side of the battle. They, like, good men died because you wanted those warriors. Yeah. Essentially. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But you're, ex- yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any story in particular that I associate Odin with war. It's just, like, just kind of, like, all all of it. Is all, can, can I use all of it as an example? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that we see, I think that we see a lot of that um, reflecting in not only his realm, right? Like he he is the ruler of Valhalla. That's not really a realm, though. Hall. It's a building. Hall <laughs> reflected in his hall. One of his halls. He has more than one. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. You know, like the whole like rafters made of spears and seats made of shields and stuff. Like the whole thing is a battlement, essentially. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's a training ground for the warriors. Why do you think that he's? That's a that's an interesting question. Why do you think that he's gathering the Ainheriar? Like, what do you think is his drive there? 
Um, I believe that his drive for gathering Ain Harriar is the same reason why he does anything else to bolster his strength or defenses, and that is because he uh, dug up a dead vulva and then forced her to give him a prophecy about his demise and then has been doing absolutely everything he can since that moment to try to change his fate. Yeah. Absolutely. I I agree with you. That's that's usually what I think of first. I also, though, like, I do wonder this. I do wonder this. And I need to look outside of my fucking lens of Odin is a selfish prick. Because he does seem to give a shit about the well-being and the affairs of humanity. Like, more than any other god. And I don't know if it's just because we are his creation, we are his pet project. But he shows up a lot in the sagas in the in the stories like to to change the outcome of fights most of the time yes but also to just like drop in and impart wisdom and then bounce again like he does that in the sagas you know oh, yeah. and so like I'm harvard like, <laughs> stories right? of harvard are all over the place <laughs> yeah. you know, that's that's deeply ingrained in scandinavian folklore is the story of the gray-bearded wanderer like just coming and talking to people. Yes, yes, he he really does. And so there is a piece of me that's like, okay, is he trying to he knows what's coming, right? Because like you said, he did he did raise the Volva from the dead. Um and get that prophecy of Ragnarok. Is he trying to protect his creations? You know, it, it I feel like that could be possible. It could be. Maybe. I think he likes playing games. I, I know he likes playing games. We see that everywhere. Fucking right. everywhere. I think that's part of it, is he's like tinkering. You know? He is. He's meddlesome. He really is. He even fucked with his own children. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like the Lay of Harbor, he fucking stands across a river from Thor and just talks shit for an hour. Like <laughs> He really does. He's like where were you? I was out fighting these wars. Where were you at? Fucking loser. Like, I was out here seducing all these women. Where were you at? Like, just absolutely roasting the shit out of his own son. For no reason. Yeah. For no, no right. reason. And Thor's no, just getting more and dick. more angry, but he's across the river, so he can't do anything. Like, right. nobody would fuck with Thor unless there was a river between the two of you. Which is interesting to think about, too, because I think that Marvel has kind of, like, skewed how we view Thor because of the whole like flying with the hammer thing right oh you know i never really thought of that as like a a thing but if you don't know any better then yeah i suppose that could be that could be a thing none of the gods really fly unless they shapeshift like none of the none of the gods have the power of flight or on a horse like sleipnir oh yeah well even sleipnir doesn't fly technically doesn't technically doesn't fly he just jumps really high and really far yeah, it says he can travel across all the realms. Right. Doesn't say that he's flying. No, technically, if he was flying, he wouldn't need to jump over the gates to hell. Right. So there is that. Unless he's just lazy. Yeah, he's like, well, flying, flying's a little tough right now. I'll just give a little hop. <laughs> give a little hop and a skip. Um, but no, I think that when it comes to war, though, I do think of the Aesir Vanir War. Um, simply because I believe that in the, in the lore, unless I've misunderstood or misread it, that it's essentially started with Odin 
throwing his spear into the fray. Like that was kind of like the shot heard around the world, you know? Right. Um, and like, he is always, he is always referred to as being battle trained, battle ready. Like the Odin sitting in his gloriousness with all of his weaponry, like the, you know, like he's just depicted that way all of the time. Yeah. The battle father, the, the, you know, that's, that's what he is. Like he, basically every attestation of Odin is in some way related to his battle readiness, like you said. But he isn't the only war god. He is not the only war god. Like, no, uh, most, uh, a lot of the Aesir are associated with war and battle. Oh, yeah. Even if they're not like, (laughs) yeah, even if they're not directly associated with battle or war or death, pretty much all of them are attested to in some way as having a hand in battle and war and death. Right. Well, the Aesir are the warrior tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of falls into like that, that whole structure and organization and all that. Like I, I find that to be very fitting with a warrior tribe. Yeah. Like that yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, existence essentially. Um, but yeah. And I mean, ultimately the Aesir Vanir war came to a truce because they were fighting magic and they were fighting, you know, natural forces. And you really cannot, you cannot, it's one versus the other. And like, they're both equally as strong. You, one cannot defeat the other. They both have a yeah. part to play, right? Um, and so they they essentially exchanged hostages, and that was that. We'll get more into that story too. Um, but I definitely feel like that's a main. That's one of the main reasons that he's associated with with war as well. Just being the chieftain of a warrior tribe. Yeah, I mean the the Aesir Vanir War definitely has a lot to do with it. The idea that he is like in charge of Valhalla, of course, which is just a battleground for soldiers. Right. Him uh, selecting or, 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 you know, charging his Valkyries with selecting the dead to bring there, uh, changing the outcomes of battles. I think that that's his heaviest attestation as, as having a hand in war. Right. And I mean, we have talked about this before, how people will confuse Valhalla for a type of Norse heaven. Ugh. Exactly. It's it's really not. And I I really <laughs> would hesitate to draw any kind of similarities between the Christian afterlife and ours because they're vastly, vastly different. But especially if you're trying to draw similarities between Valhalla and heaven. Especially. Right. No, thank you. We don't have a good place like they do. Like there's no uh, there's no reward. There's no reward like there. It's very. It's been very evident in sagas, in folklore, uh, in the stories that we have available to us. It's very evident that these people who believed these things in these time periods, like back in the late Middle Ages and whatever, whatever ages back (laughs) many, many years ago, they didn't like it wasn't like, yeah, I got to do this so I can do the other thing in the afterlife. They tried very hard to make this life good because the after was either just rest or fighting, you know? Right. And there was like a bad place, Nastrond, but there's no like good place. Like a lot of the times the attestations of Helheim are just an extension of this life. Absolutely. Well, that, I mean, that's kind of the thing. We're not a fear-based religion. We're not a fear-based religion. Right. We're not do good or you're going to hell. We're do good or you're going to lose everything that you love in this life. 
And your family is going to be affected by you and your friends are going to be affected by you. So do well and live honorably or you're going to lose everything and you're going to affect everyone else around you with that same fucking poison. Yeah. You know, and that's real. That's real. Even if you're not Norse, you see that, you know, like when you're looking at communities of any kind, if they are, if they have somebody who is a part of their community or a voice of their community and they say something fucked up, the entire community is affected. Right. Unless you cut ties, unless you, you work really hard to make your own reputation whole again, or, you know, and that's just, that's just societal law. So like our, our afterlife is, is you're done and you go to whatever hall you go to usually just, considered the hall of your ancestors. Now I do see Valhalla as being a place of honor because Odin honors warriors. He values like really dedicated warriors. And so like, I can see how that is considered a reward, but, and even Odin says like, it is a place of honor and it is a place where I want to, I don't want to serve my, um, I don't want to serve my warriors. Like, shitty drink that would be a that would be a poor poor reward for the work they did i'm gonna serve them the the mead from heidrun the goat you know the best the best of the best and i'm gonna give them this boar serumnir that's the best of the best you know and so like he is he is working to make this a place of honor and enjoyment for these warriors that also have to fucking battle all day but it is not fucking heaven unless you are a warrior and want to go there like you know, people, people, and a, a lot, most of the warriors I know, because I'm, you know, lucky enough to know a lot of veterans, you being one of them, like, they don't want that shit. They don't want that shit. They don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to go to war over and over and over for the rest of time, you know, until Ragnarok comes. It's a weird correlation to make anyways, because Valhalla is not a place of rest. No. The Christian heaven is a place of rest. They are not the same. They are not. Helheim is a far better correlation to make with heaven than Valhalla because Helheim is a place of rest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, here's what it says. Okay. So when in Gilfaginning, when he's talking with Gongleri, it says, what do the Einherjar have as drink that lasts them as plentifully as the food? Is water drunk there? Then said Hi, this is a strange question you are asking, whether Allfather would invite kings and earls and other men of rank to his house and would give them water to drink. And I swear, by my faith, that there comes many a one to Valhall who think he would pay a high price for his drink of water if there were no better cheer to be got there when he had previously endured wounds and agony leading to his death. So then he goes into Hydrun and the and the boar and how he how he gives uh these like what he considers to be like very high quality uh, food and drink to the people that are in his halls. Sure. You know, just for like perspective, but like, again, that's not somewhere that you'd want to go. Cause we've also, we've talked about this before, how people are like, well, I think that if you are fighting your battles every day on earth and if you're going through depression and you, you survive this and that and this, like you'll earn your spot in Valhalla. And I'm like, why the fuck would you want to send them there? Yeah, if you have somebody that is working with this insane mental illness or this insane physical illness, and they are, I am not saying that those people do not have warrior spirits. They are strong. You know, there is a lot of strength in those people, you know, but it's different. That is not what Valhalla is for. Valhalla is for your actual physical warriors who want to go to war, 
who love because yeah, it's a fight are. it is a fight it's a combat it's not, it's not therapy it's a fight i mean it like i feel like and i have a lot of I have a lot of compassion for the mentally ill. We are I'm the mentally ill. Mentally, I am. We are the <laughs> mentally ill. But like when you go to Valhalla, they're not teaching you how to sit a fire giant down and talk about their day to try to make it better for them and to try to give them coping mechanisms. They're going to hand you weapons and expect that you fight things until you die. Right. And I That's don't, not what anxiety is. I, no. And <laughs> I don't personally, as a person with several mental illnesses, I don't want to do that. No, I do it not sounds want horribly I want rest. energetic. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd like to sit, maybe have a garden. I don't know. I would like the first decade of my afterlife to just be chilling. Chilling? To just Doing be chillin'. nothing. And then maybe I'll be like, mm, you know what? I could start a little ghostly garden outside of my home. Right. You know? I'll, I'll go help out over Fuck here. it. Yeah. I don't want to be in charge of anything. I don't want to be. No. No, I'm just, I'm good. I'm all set, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's why I'm like, mm, Valhalla is not heaven. It is not. No. It is not. And I need people to to understand that. Um, there was a website once that I came across. It was like, let's make let's make life Valhalla on Earth. And I'm like, oh, no, thank you. We already have some of that. Like we already have constant conflict happening. And like yeah. grant without the without the fancy food and drink though. But like Life already is Valhalla yeah, on Earth. Like, I don't want <laughs> I don't want it. No, thank you. But it Pass. is. It is a place of honor. I'm not going to say that it's not. Um, and it was understood to be so, even in the even in the sagas, even up till now. You know, it's a place of honor, yes. But it's not for everyone. It's not, and it shouldn't be. I mean, all places are techn after in the afterlife are places of honor, especially I... when you think about ancestor veneration. Mm-hmm. Like Helheim is a place of honor because we still honor our ancestors. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, I will be. I will be honored to join them too. Like I will be honored to join them. You know, like to be with my ancestors and then to look after our descendants and to meddle in their affairs. That'll be extremely exciting for me. I'm like, oh, my God, did you see what Teddy did? You know what I mean? I'm going to have a fucking good time hanging out with Njord and just Otis Redding, Otis Redding out. <laughs> Sitting on the dock fuck, of the bay. <laughs> fuck yeah. Me and Njord are going to go sit on the dock of a fucking bay in Noah Tune and we're going to go fishing. And chill. I love that. That's fantastic. No, Nord really does feel like such a chill dude. Like he's yeah, yeah. He is a chill dude. dude. <laughs> I always picture the dude like him wearing just like a terry cloth robe with bare feet, just wandering about. Like, just what's up, man? Like that's Nord to me. Yeah. With like insane powers, right? Nord is great and wonderful, but like he's chill. He's he's humble. Yeah. He's humble. He's like, yeah. What's up? You know, just like in Locusena when. Loki's like, yeah, you get pee on your face. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, all these women pissed in your mouth. And he's like, that was a good time. Uh, that's, this <laughs> like, is, I fucking love him so much. It's the way, way of the road, but <laughs> way of the road. He's like, yeah. Well, and then even in Locus when he's like, hey, everybody sleeps with everybody. Like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love him. I love him. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. Odin associated with war. Um, I... Now, a lot of people will say that Hell is the goddess of death. I don't think that she's the goddess of death. I think that she is the caretaker of the dead. And so however yeah. you'd want to frame that, I do see Odin as a death god. I also see Freya yeah. as a death god. Like, yeah, absolutely. These ones are directly tied to death. And and not only battle slain, not only battle slain, right? Like there is obviously several... Um, attestations to Odin being tied to the battle slain. We've gone over that. He has his Valkyrie. 
that will take the battle slain from the field of battle up to Valhalla. Um, and it is said even that the Valkyrie have the power to, to kind of change, turn the tides of battle in order to get the, um, the warriors that they're looking for or that Odin is looking for. Right. Um, but then there's things like, I don't know if you have ever, this added this, this association, um, with Odin being the ferryman is not just for the lay of Harbard, right? Like this is also attested to in like Volsung saga. And they right. say that he ferries people to the afterlife. Like, at least that's what they've thought of here. When this happened, it was, um, this is, uh, directly from the Volsung saga. Um, and it says Sigmund stood up and his sorrow nearly killed him. He took Sinfjotl's bodily. Whoa. He took Sinfjotl's body in his arms and carried him to the forest. Finally, he came to a fjord where he saw a man on a small boat. The man offered to ferry him over the fjord and Sigmund accepted. The boat was too small to hold all three of them. And so the ferryman took Sinfjotl's body first and Sigmund walked along the shore. But in the next moment, the boat and the ferryman disappeared. And that's just one one association with Odin being the ferryman. Like it's, he's in the sagas. Um, he's kind of all over the place when people are dying or when people are near death or when people are in dangerous situations. And that's kind of what I mean too. When he's, um, when I say that he's like in, he's, he's meddling in the world of men all the time. Constantly. Constantly. Right. Constantly. (laughs) Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention too is about Odin's Valkyries. People constantly, there is always a battle going on between um, the people who believe that Odin is in charge of the Valkyries and people who believe because of their own UPGs that Freya is in charge of the Valkyries. And I just want to make sure that at least you know the people who put any kind of weight on the pros at, a, at all understand that not only do the Valkyries choose who dies in battle they choose who goes to valhalla and they serve them food and drinks it is a mm-hmm. thing of honor they are honoring these people by being of service to them by being of service to odin and to the inheriar i don't want to just because they're women or feminine or whatever to lessen them because they're also fierce warriors themselves these are oh, badass. I don't mean to lessen them at all. Okay, these are badass beings. Badass beings. Yeah. Like usually the ones that are considered to have risen to be a Valkyrie from a human existence, which does happen in the sagas, are women of note and women of strength and women of that are battle hardy and battle proven. You know. Well, yeah, there's even stories of women going from human to Valkyrie, yeah. like being chosen to become Valkyrie. That's exactly what I mean. It doesn't lessen you to serve a person or a dead person in Valhalla. So if anyone sees serving the Ain Harriar as lessening the Valkyries in any way, that's a personal problem. So there's the Valkyries that work with Odin. Um, so that's a sl- that that's an association with the dead. The other thing that I think associates Odin with death is his constant meddling with the dead right like he not all the time all of the fucking time all of the fucking time he calls up the dead he calls up the he that we already talked about the volva that he's raised to get the prophecy of ragnarok right Mm -hmm. not everyone can do that and she was pissed right she was not happy about (laughs) about being woken up it's hard to associate with him 
him with anything else for me. Like I can, but it's really hard because like God of the hanged, like, yes, yes. Okay. So that's, that's the thing. Um, the, the rune spell that he says in the Hobbit mall, like this dude is balls deep in some necromancy shit. Like really, yeah. like raising of loves dead people. He really does. Cause even, even in the, even in the rune poem or the rune at all, um, he says, I know a 12th spell. If I see hanging from a tree, a dead man's corpse, I can carve some runes and paint them. And then that corpse will walk and speak with me. So like he gains knowledge from the dead constantly. Yeah. And even, even, even you may argue, right. That him taking Mimir's head and doing all the magical hoodie, putting the herbs on it and making him a speaking dead man's head. That's that. I mean, that's necromancy. That is necromancy, right? Like that is necromancy. It's, it's 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 everywhere. It's everywhere, and even his horse. So, I okay. Even his ravens. Okay, here's where we're gonna get a little bit weird. Okay, we're gonna get kind of more into the, the magical side of things really quick, um, or mystical. I can't say magical really. So I actually personally see his ravens, Hugin and Moonin, thought and memory, as being shamanic aspects of odin's soul like outward soul pieces that have taken oh i agree form okay okay and so like that's that is another kind of way that he's into this mysticism and magic and 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 things like that like using pieces of his own spirit to go forth into the world and glean information for him is very shamanic in nature even the journeys he takes on Sleipnir could be seen as shamanic in nature, like traversing the realms. Sleipnir is the only being that can jump the gates of hell and like get into the realm of the dead. And that just so yeah. happens to be like Odin's horse. Isn't that why he gave Hermod Sleipnir to go and talk with hell? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Which is interesting to me too, because how does Hermod get in and out of hell? Well, he does, he rides, so he rides, he rides Sleipnir for nine days, nine nights. He has to go up to um, Modgud, who guards the bridge that leads to the Galarbrew? I can't remember. Who guards the bridge that leads to hell and then gets into hell. And Modgud's like, "Mm, you're the wrong color to be on this bridge, my dude. And he's like, sorry, I'm on a mission. I need to speak with hell and Balder. And then he like hops the gates. The gates don't open for him. He hops the gates into hell. Right. So with the help of Sleipnir. Right. Um, Which is great. (laughs) Which is great. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. It would have, it would have sucked if he couldn't. Um, But yeah. So like, I've always kind of seen that shamanic association with Sleipnir and with the, with the Ravens. And honestly, with the wolves, even Gary and Frakey, because didn't we talk about how their their names mean? Remind me, greed and greed and gluttony, essentially. Okay. Because I feel like too that that is something that Odin may not want to carry with him, but that still exists, right? They still exist, and they still are part of him, even if he cannot. Even if it's it's almost like having your shadow self turn into these beings that are with you constantly. They are your companions, but you don't want them to be a part of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is this weird? Yeah. This feels weird. I feels like I'm going no. off on a total thing. 
No, this is good. It, just like how it's mentioned that he feeds all of the food that he's given to his wolves and he doesn't eat it. Right. Right. Exactly. But then again, like, I don't know if Odin, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Odin really would need to live apart or separate himself from from pieces of himself that he didn't like. Because the dude's got plenty of pieces of himself that are not the greatest, that are around all of the time. Maybe those are just the pieces that he doesn't like. And so he thinks that all the rest of his bad qualities are actually just really good. Well, I mean, there's something to that because he doesn't seem to find anything wrong with the fact that he deceives people all of the fucking time. Right, right. Like he lies. Well, okay. I don't know that he lies. I don't know that we can call it a straight out lie. But to me, a deception is a form of a lie. And Odin is the master of deception in my in my in my purview like he does that make sense in my purview that's a wrong word huh okay but like so we already talked about him going to visit Vafthrudnir which he had no reason to go except for that he wanted to be the wisest in all the land right yeah it, it, it there is a piece that it's it's possible that he was going to gain knowledge too like to see if the giant had any secrets that he did not have right which is also selfish well I can understand how you would do that, but even Frigg was like, I wish you wouldn't. And he's like, anyway, I'm going to. And she's like, okay, be safe. You know, but like he goes. <laughs> Poor all mother. I know. I know. <laughs> he goes and he's in this battle of the wits with Vafthrutnir, who's called the Riddle Weaver. That's what that name means. And they're going back and forth. They're exchanging all this information. And Vafthrutnir is like, he's holding his own. Right. And it is a battle for your head. If you lose this battle, you lose your head. And this is the wisest giant in all of Jotun time. And uh, eventually it gets down to this point where Odin knows he's losing. So he pulls out his fucking trump card. And I hate this about him. I hate it. And he's like, well, what did Odin whisper to Balder when he was on his fucking funeral pyre? And Vafthrudnir's like, ah, shit, Odin, you rascal. And then he loses his fucking head. <laughs> like, it's so rude. Dang Darn. it. Oh, man, there goes my life. But, like, he does it with these, um, with the king. Um, damn it, I forgot his name. King Hydric. King Hydric. This is the same, this is kind of the same story. King Hydric and the sagas, he's... He is in this battle of wits of riddles, which is actually a really cool fucking um, saga to read. If you want to understand the, the, the creation of riddles back then, like kind of like the formula to riddles back then, it's really neat to read. Um, But then it kind of gets the, the riddles get more and more and more complicated. And then uh, at the very end, when Odin is clearly losing, he's like, um, anyway, what did Odin whisper to Balder? He pulls the same fucking trump card. Because he's a dick. He's a dick. And uh, like, I, and the king was like, only you know that monster. And then he um, tries to kill Odin with a sword. Odin transforms into a hawk and flies out of the window. And he cuts off the, the hawk's tail, which is why hawks have shorter stubby tails. So that's fun. That's a fun little piece of folklore. But that's in the saga of Hervor and King, king Hydric the Wise. Um, but yeah, like he's deceptive. He, he is so deceptive and he, here is where here. Okay. Here is where we get into the reason that I personally cannot vibe with Odin myself. Okay. 
And like, so I understand that none of the gods are perfect. I understand that. Right. I also just cannot reconcile some of the actions and values of some of the gods with my own. And I feel like that's okay. I feel like that's okay. It is okay. Also, like, there are some things I don't think he should like be forgiven for like what he does to Gunlo and what he does to Rind like he yeah I don't think that I don't think that those things should be forgiven exactly do you want to tell the people about Rind we haven't talked about her yet <laughs> Odin kind of like being just the just a one grapist that he is just essentially like forces this <laughs> forces this giant to give birth to his child because he was told a prophecy mm-hmm. that he was going to have a son that was going to like uh, avenge Baldur's death right and uh, that it was going to be with this giantess and so instead of like trying to build a relationship with her he does really shitty things which forces her to bear his child. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, anyway, this um, romanticizing, this is taking too long. So let's go ahead and just get to the point. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to the point. Yes, exactly. So that's problematic for me. The goon load, yeah. the goon load situation that we talked about already um, is problematic to me. And then he, and okay, I will say that he, <laughs> Odin is such a, and this is what I mean when he's an enigma. Odin will wax eloquent about love and romance in the Hobbamal. And he'll be like, everybody's a fool for love. You know, better to have love than not have any love. And da-da-da-da-da. Don't ever make fun of a man who's in love. Da-da-do. But also, women suck and so do men. Women are liars. Women are fickle. And, like, the 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 it's so ironic to me that in the Hobbamal, there is the example of the one time, the one time that he got, quote-unquote, tricked by a woman was because he thought she was pretty. And so he wouldn't leave her alone. Mm-hmm. You know? And finally she was like, okay, fine. Like, we can hook up. Whatever. Meet me tonight in my home. He goes and he's blocked Bye. by all these warriors, right? And then he tries again the next night. Because this man is simping hard for this woman. He goes in the next night. Only to find that in her place she had tied a dog to the bed. Kind of was like a fuck you, man. Like, leave me alone. And then he's like, women suck. It's giving incel. It's giving it it's giving major incel vibes, you know? Especially when yeah. he already has like the most dopest of wives. Con- right. Consorts out the out, off the chain, right? Like right. he I just Like he pulls bitches. I don't understand why he <laughs> has to like try to force it onto people because with all the garbage that he's done, like he still pulls. Yeah. So like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. To, it gives very fucking neck beard, small pee pee really, vibes. It really does. Cause his, both his 16th and his 17th rune spell in the runatal. The 16th one is like, I know a spell on how to seduce women who otherwise don't want me. Like it's like right. how to how to win. Oh, it says like literally how to change her mind and have her all to myself. And I'm just like, gross. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Um, the seventeenth spell is how to prevent a woman from saying no. Right. Okay. He's also like very vocal in Runatal about I know things that you don't know because you're a woman. Right. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm never going to teach this to a woman unless she's my wife. Um, but like, it's, it's, I just, which I mean, at least he honors his wife. We, we can say that. Sometimes. Right? And he does have girlfriends, which again is why I'm like, why? Why? Like sitting sitting with Saga every day, you know, and just like gossiping over wine. That's his girlfriend. That, that's his girlfriend. That's what you do with your girlfriends. You exchange the tea. You talk you talk shit, you know. But like, so, but, but where's, he has the Valkyries who serve him. He has all of these incredible, powerful, badass boss babes surrounding him. And he's just like, I'm going to go use these spells and gain the affection of women instead. Like, you guys oh, aren't enough of a challenge yeah. for me. I'm going to go get some women that say no instead. Cause like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, I have a hard time reconciling it. I really do like using love spells to woo women and to coerce women. Like I'm not a huge fan and I just cannot get past that piece of Odin. I can look at Odin and I can recognize him for all of the roles he plays and, and have whatever small understanding of his character as I can as a human being. But like, there are just pieces that I'm like, I don't value that. That does not align with my values and I don't respect it. And I cannot venerate somebody I do not respect. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Like that's the beauty too of heathen rage. We don't have to choose. We can choose not to. Mm-hmm. You can choose not to. You can choose to. There's lots of deities in this pantheon that you can choose from. You don't have to, uh, you know, worship or venerate or work with all of them or any of them. Right. You know how many people have asked why they worship Odin and they have no idea why? They say because he's I, the chief of the Aesir. And I'm like, okay, cool. What else? What is chief? Most people I've asked don't have an answer for any deity. Well, that, to be fair. that actually kind of hurts my heart. Like I feel like I feel like you should know why you're venerating somebody because veneration is an act of, of admiration and respect. But like I also find I agree. Um and I don't I mean, I feel like you and I have talked about this, that people just convert from Christianity or another uh monotheistic path. And they assign Odin as Sky Daddy. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. He's on top of their hierarchical tier, you know? So, like, oh, oh, oh yeah, Odin. Odin's, like, the, the dude in Heathenry. But, I mean, not being able to pick out what you like about a deity, it can be hard, especially for newer people, mm-hmm. you know? Because sometimes you just vibe oh, yeah. with, a, with a god, you know? And you're like, I don't know, man. I just dig it. I dig I dig his energy. I'm thinking about Nord right now. Nord. I'm just like, I, I don't know. I just dig it. You know, I, 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 I can get that. I can get behind that. Like, if you don't really know, that's great. But you should check out. You should check. You should, should find out. You should dig into it and find out what it is about these deities that you like, that you connect with. And if you do see things like with Odin, where you're like, oh, mm, no, thank you. Right. You, you are allowed to just be like, nope. Can no I go over here now? No, thank you. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree. And like, I, I understand that there's, there's, um, I think that that comes from like not deconstructing a lot, like feeling like that is something that is owed to Odin, that you have to right. venerate him because he is the chief. He is the creator God. He, one of the creator gods. Cause that's the other thing too. Why aren't you honoring the other creator gods? If that's, if that's the thing, you know? Right. Because um, there's five. There's te- yeah, between three and five, depending on your opinion of the translation of that story. <laughs> You're totally <laughs> right. You're totally right. Um, like I just, I do feel like more deconstruction needs to happen in a lot of ways. Um, if you are just doing things by rote and kind of exchanging, exchanging one thing for the other, exchanging God for Odin, exchanging the scriptures for the poetic Edda, exchanging the you know the Ten Commandments with 
the fucking noble nine or whatever, which are problematic. Yeah. And we'll get into that as well. Um, like you, sh- you should look into that a little bit more. Why? Do- and this is the question that me and Oz will always ask. Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why? You should know why. And that's, that's you part of the expo- exploration. Like that's the, that's the beauty of heathenry is you're not doing anything because somebody told you to. Or because you have to. You don't to. have to do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Exactly. Like, do heathen shit, but like, going out and standing in nature and giving it reverence and, and appreciation and gratitude, that's heathen shit. It sure is. But, but like, nothing about it makes it explicitly heathen shit. No. You know? I do. Lots of things that lots of people do are heathen shit without even knowing it. Oh, yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Because it's just a connection with the, with the, with the powers around you. With the things yeah. around you, you know, um, there's just more meaning to it. There's intention to it when you're doing right. it as part of a heathen path, you know, whereas like you can you can be of any any walk of life and go out into nature and feel awe inspired and feel connected. Does Absolutely. you know what I mean? But like when you are a heathen doing those things, there's a, there's another level of connection. There's another level of reverence, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Things. You know, you're connecting with your you're connecting with with a goddess when you're doing that out in nature you know we exist we live on a goddess (laughs) exactly um but yeah i i really have liked this deep dive into odin i don't i can't say i can't say with you know full confidence whether he is a negative or a positive or a like if you were to give him a classification like in D &D, like what would he be what is his what is his personality Odin is a courtesan bard. <laughs> he's a courtesan bard. That's what he, he's a courtesan. He's a courtesan bard. Okay, tell the people who don't play D and D what that would mean. Oh, uh, Odin's a hewer. He's a hewer with a silver tongue. A silver-tongued hewer. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I know. Okay. <laughs> what about his alignment? What about his alignment? chaotic neutral really uh yeah chaotic neutral because chaotic good is like uh maybe like no he's not lawful he's definitely not lawful he does not follow the rules so he's got to be at least neutral if not chaotic and i believe that he is chaotic because he goes directly against the rules sometimes yeah and i don't believe that he's chaotic good because chaotic good is for the greater good not for yourself right so i don't think he's chaotic evil though because he doesn't do anything. Chaotic evil is evil all the time. Really, really evil all of the time. So chaotic neutral is what I think he is. Because um, a lot of the stuff that he does is self-serving. But he doesn't really do anything like broad strokes that is world-changingly horrific. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Because he he does seem to have a respect for order and structure, and yet he is the epitome of trickster. Everybody can talk about Loki this, Loki that. Odin, to me, is the trickster. A trickster, for sure. Uh, uh, Odin does not follow anybody's rules. His word is as flimsy as a wet piece of paper. Yeah. Like, Loki's word is not. Loki has a Loki has a code. Loki has a moral code. Odin does not seem to, not to me. Well, yeah, but Loki has a moral code like 
his moral code is weird because he'll just say whatever's on his mind like i don't know some kind of lunatic and then when he gets backed into a corner he just starts talking shit <laughs> but he always keeps his word he does always keep his word. I mean, he's he, also he runs away, but like when it comes down to it and he is back into the corner, he will keep his word. Oh, yeah. just disappears. He's like, nah, fam. And he's just gone. But he's like, Loki keeps his word though. Yeah. Specifically his, like when he came back with the dwarves and gave the gods their, their gifts and says, oh, I said you could have my head, but not my neck. Well, how am I supposed to remove your head if I can't touch your neck? And then they sew his mouth shut. Right. Like that's not technically keeping his word. It, I mean, I would argue that it is. It's just that nobody else considered how he could twist it. He's always going to twist it to his own benefit. It would be an, e- an easy thing to, to like, he, they couldn't fuck with his neck, right? Okay, <laughs> so then you take his head in half and you just cut it right in half because then nothing below it is neck and everything above it is head. So you just cut him off like right there. You put an right axe the, right at right the fucking, mustache. Yeah, bam, just take off the top of his head. because That's all head, no neck. You're right. You're right about that. But yeah, like I, yeah, he, he is, he is, he is a trickster. He can't, maybe the OG trickster. And I honestly, I wonder if that's why him and Loki are such good friends and have that blood oath between them. I don't know. This is entirely just conjecture at this point because nobody fucking knows. Um, He is, he is self-centered, but then also not when he gets involved with the, with the pursuits and dreams and, and, um, things of mankind like that doesn't speak to a self-centered dude entirely making making us was not was not self-centered to me you know like i don't know because when he created us when he created us he had no idea of the prophecy yet right but um he created us right so like um, I draw a parallel between I know that it's this is entirely my opinion and it's conjecture, but I draw this parallel between Norse paganism and Greek mythology. Okay. Where their gods require worship. They need it. They feed on it, right? Mm-hmm. And don't quote me on that because I really don't fucking know. But why would you create a race of something? Why would you create a being? I don't know. Right. So maybe it has to do with his need to be worshipped. Could be. Could be. I mean, I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. Like, I mean, we we why do why do we have children? But he's never treated us like his children is the thing for me. So, like, I don't think that he looks at us like that. I'm not saying the creation of some kind. Why do you create anything? Why do you create progenitors of anything of any of any uh, persuasion? You know what I mean? I mean, I think that a lot, I don't, I can't speak for the human race, of course, but like, I believe that people have children because they want to, I don't know. I've always wondered that. I mean, I have three children myself, but like, it was never because I was like, the world needs more of my genes. Well, and like, I wanted to, I always (laughs) wanted to raise children and I don't know what that is. So I think it's an interesting thought exercise, but like to, it wasn't just Odin that wanted to create races and it wasn't just the race of mankind either they created the dwarves so why you know and they were involved in the dwarves affairs and they were involved in man's affairs you know and they did not require worship from the dwarves no that's all that's true but they also did kind of like give them um sorry hang on 
Um, they did kind of give them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that it speaks a little bit to like potential foresight of the gods, because they gave the dwarves magic and great crafting abilities. Like it's that's what it's that is stated in our it's attested to in our lore. The dwarves didn't just like get magic and then become great blacksmiths all by themselves. That was given to them, right? And then throughout these stories, we see these dwarves in many different ways and aspects, giving them all of these things, these tools and these these weapons and these great, wonderful, beautiful pieces of jewelry imbued with magic. And all of them are imbued with magic and everything is magical. And so maybe it was a bit of foresight on behalf of the gods, like, well, we could turn these things into these like badass magical crafters and then maybe use them in the future. That could be. That could be. Absolutely. I do think that there is some reciprocity in our relationship with deity. I do. I do think that our energy lends something to them. I don't know that they need it, but I do think that it lends something. Otherwise, why would they bother paying attention or getting involved or granting boons or supporting? Well, I agree too. You know, so like it's, it's interesting. I don't know the answer. I don't know that anybody knows the answer. We just have our own guesses. But like I, again, I wonder what, what, why why is he so involved you know what drives that so when i say like enigmatic fuck it i mean it on so many levels on every level i don't understand odin at all it's very cool i love it i love thinking about who he is right and like wondering about his motivations but i think it's beyond me i think all of it is all of it's beyond us i don't think that we have the capacity to understand why gods do what they do Right. But yeah, like I, I admire that he is relentless in his pursuit of knowledge. I admire that. I admire that he is absolutely ruthless when it comes to the outcomes that he wants. I do not admire some of the means he uses to get there or some True. of the goals he has. I admire his stubbornness. Yeah. I aspire to be as stubborn as Odin. You are as stubborn as Odin already. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I definitely don't see him as this, this ultra bright shining light with nothing negative to say about it. And I don't, I don't believe that pointing out the less, um, positive qualities of his nature is disrespectful. I really don't. And so like, no. I don't want people to think that I just hate Odin and I disrespect him and I did da, 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 da. He's not my favorite. He's not, but that's because his values don't align with mine. Point blank. Like, we also it. mentioned a lot of good things about Odin in this episode. So, well, yeah. like, don't come after us for the negatives that we said. <laughs> We're just trying to paint a complete picture of Odin yeah. while we have not the capacity to do so because we're just humans. There right. are negatives about him. Yeah. There absolutely. are negatives and they should be spoken about and discussed. Well, and there are negatives to everybody. And I think that that's, that's the cool thing, too, is that people miss sometimes. Um, like, when coming over from a, a religion who believes that their God is perfect to come over here and to see Odin to also assume that he is perfect or omniscient or omnipresent. That is something that, that kind of indicates there's a lack of deconstruction happening because he is not, he is completely fallible as are all of the beings that we venerate and that we know of. Like he is not omnipresent. He has to use, um, you know, Hugin and Moonen. He has to use a high seat. He has to use, uh, whatever he can, whatever means he can, necromancy magic all of these things to gain knowledge he does not know at all and that drives right. him nuts yeah 
I think that, yeah, I, I agree with that. Just based on the information that we have about Odin, he wants to know everything. And the fact that he doesn't, like you said, drives him nuts. He hates that he doesn't know everything. Yeah. That's why he fucking gets prophecies from Volar. That's why he does everything that he does. That's why he has lead Skjalf so that he can look at everything. Lead Skjalf. <laughs> yeah. I loved the venom in the way that you said that. Lead Skjalf. I, I don't know. I'm going to start just saying everything like I am the most American-American person ever and just start saying shit like Hlidskjalf. 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 There it is, yeah. Amazing. Odin. 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 I don't say Odin. I, I don't blame you if you do because that's technically correct, I suppose, but... Everything is technically correct. Odin is technically correct. Just because these things come from a different language doesn't mean we can't translate it into ours. Right, right. Really? That's that. I feel like we have talked a lot. I feel like we have gone over most of the things for Odin. I know that there's going to be missing pieces. If you guys have more insights or perspectives or work that you've done with Odin or, you know, things that you feel like we did not talk on or that we kind of brushed by that are important to you, get, get in touch with us. Like, you know, hit us up on TikTok, hit us up on our email. Um, we want to have these conversations with you. Definitely. We could easily talk about Odin for hour, everything. We could talk about every topic for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yes. We we, we definitely we will. miss things. <laughs> we will. Yeah. We have and we will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good old Chief of the Ace here. What do we have coming up next week? Oh, that'll be a really fun conversation. We're going to be talking about, because we don't want to just talk about lore we don't want to just talk about deity we want to talk about heathenry as a practice like we want to take you from a practical knowledge to the uh or to the application of that right right so like we don't just want to talk about the stories because there's more to that i honestly think the stories are a very small part of heathenry even though they're fascinating and cool and lend to a lot of our practice um so yeah we're going to get into offerings the the gifting cycle the it's kind of like a foundation of heathenry to me not to everyone, yeah. but to me. Well, and veneration. Yeah, veneration, exactly. Why we do it, how it's done, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, should we call it? Okay, yeah. well. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> You're listening to the Hearth of Weird podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on TikTok at Hearth of Weird Podcast to stay up to date on all things heathenry. Every small interaction you have with us helps us grow. And we appreciate it so much. You can email us directly with all of your heathenry questions at hearthpodcastteam at gmail.com. Be well, and as always, thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening.